Hello. Hi. Is this? Are you? Are you? Are you started it? I just. I felt like we could just come in hot for All once. Right. You know. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Crack it open. Crack it open. One. A cold one, if you will. A cold sparkling water. Yes. 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 Cold We're back. A cold liquid death. Yes. Some say it's the beer of water. Yes. It's, it's, it's a, like the natty light of water, but good. Hmm. Yeah. I like Miller Light. Okay. Well, we're back from a long hiatus because I got lazy and I was doing other things and we didn't record. I uh, and I was I was busy over a weekend. I had to go, um, you know, really to. I had the, the the duty and the honor to go just smoke a bunch of cigarettes in New Orleans for my friend's bachelor party. So we we really slacked a little, but we're yeah. back. And I'm looking back at everything I had noted, and we could start off with corrections. Oh wow, corrections. So. Hello, people in the beginning. If you want to skip to more interesting things, like the Cleveland Torso Motors, skip to yeah. seven minutes in. I think last time it got very dry because I was just saying a lot of facts. It so was very informative. I know? yeah. People know not to when they when they finally do invent time travel. People know know not to go to 1930s Cleveland, and you and you gave that to them. I'm gonna tell them more why you should go. Yeah. But last time we talked about the coroner got like elected. And apparently there is a difference between medical examiners and coroners. They're two different positions. Okay. Similar overlapping duties. So a coroner is like a more historic role. Yeah. And they originate from the position Croner, who used to make sure appropriate taxes were paid to the king um, or like the crown when somebody dies. And so that they're kind of like the, the old-timey like autopsy person. And they determine the cause of death and usually complete the death certificate. But they don't always have a medical license. Whereas medical examiners are usually appointed and are usually physicians. Hmm. And they're usually like a forensic pathologist specialized in death investigation. You know, I think to even the most like nitpicky audience member, I don't think I don't I don't think anyone's getting too in, into into too much of an uproar over that one. Hmm. People people prefer to correct people over like the pronunciation of like Spanish words, you know? But what if I want to go and talk about now the Great Depression versus the recession? Well, that 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 economic uh, sparrow we went into last time, um, I'm not proud of that either. And well, I, we didn't really know what we I'll were talking about. I'll sit quietly while you just say correct things for a few minutes there. Actually. Do you want to just want to read through it really fast? Oh, God, no. This is really... I have a lot. I have like a page of information on this. We, yeah, give me the... What are, <laughs> I'll give you the quick synopsis. Qu- quick rundown. Two minutes. Okay. Oh, that'll be... Too, okay. The stock market crash of 1929 occurred after almost a decade of expansion where stock prices rose rapidly. And so there's a lot of shares on margin, meaning that people bought them on loan. So they're buying stocks on credit and they were to be repaid because the stock market just kept going up. And then eventually the stock market did a little whoop and a little dip and people panicked. So they started pulling all their stocks out, but they're all on credit. And none of this money was real and people didn't have this in the banks. So the bank went bankrupt. And after like October of 1929, when millions of shareholders panicked to rush to liquidate their holdings. And then that made the stock market go down more. And stock values fell 33% between September and November of 1929 and less, less customer spending and business investments, industrial output, people lost their jobs, and people started panicking. Then FDR declared a four-day bank holiday and the banks could prove their solvency, which is a term I loan, which is ability to pay one to that. Yeah. And the banks had to like prove their sol- solvency. And the bank failed. It still evolved into a decrease of customer spending and business investments. Federal Reserve raised the interest rates. American agriculture was also suffering after the agriculture trade expanded overseas in the 1920s. And they lobbied for new tariffs. 
and that turned into the Smoot-Tawley Tariff Act of 1930, which put a reduction on global trade, and then the Dust Bowl happened. All right, all right. Okay, and, and there were 2008 recessions. There's more? <laughs> well, I didn't talk about the recession. I just talked about the depression. Oh, good lord. So the recession was more of a housing issue. So the assumption of economic growth led to a deregulation in some like depression-era regulations that they put on, because mm-hmm. they didn't learn about it the first time. And most notably, the Glass-Strigall Act in 1999, and this allowed for banks slash brokerages to become larger and giant mergers between institutions could occur. In the early 2000s, property values were rising, people were investing and buying homes, mortgage lenders wanted to approve as many homes as they could, and they approved home loans to borrowers who had bad credit, and these were called subprime mortgages. And this process of secretarization occurs when subprime mortgage loans are resold to investment banks, which are sold to investors at mortgage-backed securities, MBSs. And these were eventually repackaged and sold on secondary market as collateralized debt obligations, CB, CBD, CDOs, and were divided <laughs> for different investors. In 2006, the home prices peaked and the stock market went to inevitably slow. Home prices dropped, interest rates went up, resulting in default that those people couldn't pay their house payments. These defaulted loans meant CDO investors, hedge fund managers, investment banks, pension funds, saw their investments plummet. All the packaging and repatching made it murky where people's portfolios were suffering. Banks began charging high interest rates to lend out to other banks and institutions, and the Lehman Brothers collapsed due to a $400 billion of their $600 billion debt owed was supposed to be covered by CDSs, but those went bad because people defaulted on their mortgages. So then the Dow Jones fell 3,600 points through September 19th to October 10th of 2008. Large financial institutions began to fall. International trade and industrial production fell at a faster rate than in in the Great Depression, which led to massive layoffs and unemployed stock market. Well, if anyone is still listening, (laughs) sorry about that. (laughs) I'm going to put a disclaimer in the beginning. I'm going to cut this right now. Hello, people in the beginning. If you want to skip to more interesting things, like the Cleveland Torso Motors, skip to... Yeah. Seven minutes in. Seven, okay. <laughs> yep. All right. I don't know. I'll put it in the, the thing, but... Okay, now we can talk about the Cleveland Torso Motors. Well, that was more than two minutes, <laughs> I was going to say. It was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was like four minutes. I, I did I a even lot has, of I, I even had something fun... I even had, like, some stupid quip to say, but I somehow got lost, like, in somewhere in, like, the subprime mortgage <laughs> attack. Well, when I was reading it, I was reading, like, an article on, like, some financial magazine, and I was like, I don't understand any of this. Hmm. Better just recite the whole thing. Uh-huh. Okay, good. All right, perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, now we can talk about something I do understand. Murder. All right. All right. I do understand murder. So if we flash backwards, we left off at victim number seven, who was the sixth fully torso murder victim found. Okay. So that brings us to February 23rd of 1937. <laughs> so a man was checking out his sailboat along the north shore of Lake, or the south shore of Lake Erie, east of Benetherall. This looks like a word that is in Game of Thrones. Benetherall? Branthenthrall. Branthenthrall. I don't know. Okay. He was checking out his sailboat, and <laughs> very close to where the Lady of the Lake was found. That was our first, and no, victim number zero that okay, was found. another Game of Thrones reference. Yes. So he found something floating near the shore. He investigates, realizes it a headless, armless upper torso of a woman. Back at it again. All right, all right. Yes. More, more murders. So the ME estimated that the woman was about 20 to 30 years old, and there was a lot of cut marks. This victim, though, big difference, was not killed by decapitation. Her heart stopped beating before she was decapitated due to, like, the blood coagulation around it. And she was killed three to four days prior to discovery and labeled as victim number eight. 
And some people speculated that this was not a Busher victim because she was found kind of further away from the other bodies, but this is where the Lady of the Lake was found, so. Got it. Who they also didn't claim as a Butcher victim, but I have a hard time believing that there's more than one person decapitating people in Cleveland at the same time, dumping them in lakes. That's right. Good point. Okay. So just be thorough here. Are we just going to name every person who died in Cleveland, you know, for like the, the, this this span of like three or four years? Well, everyone that got their head cut off. That seems like how a lot many of people. people get their head cut? Like, if you look in the news right now, how often do you see a headline like head cut off? Like every once in a while, but like. I mean, check not out not this many. Check out like the Mexico City Journal. I'm pretty sure like that's like a you know. Well, are there huge cartels running in Cleveland? I don't know. I mean, LeBron James is a pretty tough dude nowadays. You know. I don't think he could have the stomach for it. Uh. Anyway, her... Okay. <laughs> anyway, so her lower torso was found while I was testing out a swan boat on May 5th of 1937, so a few months later. But they still a guy was testing... Wait, 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 you know those like, little swan paddle boats? There's a man who's testing out a swan boat know, in the middle of the Great doing. Depression. I mean, this guy, this guy is either the Cleveland torso murderer or... He's he is depression. just so, or he caused the Great Depression. Like somehow this is the guy who's like, like like gaining off of everyone else's sorrow because this guy, yeah, this guy, yeah, this guy's like drinking, you know, like a, like like a strawberry milkshake and going for a swan boat thing in the middle of like a toxic lake, you know, during Cleveland. Was Lake Erie? What it was that in Cleveland that like a river started on fire because like it was so polluted. I thought that was New. York? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so Different June episode. 6th of 1937, exactly. A 14-year-old boy on the way back from the movies took a shortcut over the Lorraine Carnegie Bridge when he saw something shiny. Turns out it was a gold tooth attached to a human skull that was decapitated from the rest of its body. And so the skeleton was in a bag. Um, there was a torso found missing its arms and its legs. Large piece of black-gray tissue material and there was a white cap with a tassel and part of a dress with a possible toupee that they thought they found. So the ME was um, found that this is a small black female. And there was a lot of like hacks and cutting to the vertebrae, which obviously caused that because she got her head chopped off. And they found out that this toupee was actually the woman's scalp because it has come off eventually. And the police began looking through the missing persons cases and Detective Peter Morello found a match for Rose Wallace, who is victim number six. And she went missing a year before based on unofficial, like, death record, dental records. And because she had some gold dental work done. But this was one of the few butcher victims that was actually identified. Hmm. But there's still some, like, speculation because dental work was, like, a little shady back then. But they're pretty sure this is who it is. Unofficially. We'll let them have this one. We'll let them them take it. So they, like, had, same thing, since they knew who this, like, woman was, there were people that were like, oh, I saw her go to... The bar with this guy on the night, like, last time I saw her, but, mm-hmm. like, none of the leads led to anything okay. still, even though they, like, had this girl's ID. So, on July 6, 1937, two National Guard members were patrolling the shore while there was a steelworker strike. That sounds pretty 1937. <laughs> and on the patrol on the Cuyahoga River, two, both men spotted what they believed was, it was, like, a torso in the wake of, like, a boat going by, and they just, like, called it and didn't do anything. And, like, there was another guy on the bridge, like, down the river that saw the same thing, didn't say anything. And then eventually they found a torso washed up on the banks. And the upper part of the torso is in a burlap sack wrapped in newspaper, along with a woman's stocking, and which had some hairs on it. But 
the corner just kept getting pieces like through this day because they're just kept like being body parts that would wash up on the shore of the river. And he found out that the victim was a 40-year-old man who was killed about two days prior and has a distinguishing scar on his thumb and left leg, but they still did not figure out who this was. So this was victim number nine, and he was especially mutilated. The abdomen was opened up, and the organs in the abdominal cavity were removed along with the heart, and there was lots of cuts on the hands and forearm, indicating a struggle. But there was also some um, evidence that the knife could have, like, dulled because, like, there were so many cuts on this guy's body. Hmm. So, now, a year goes by, and they have not found any headless folks or body parts laying around okay. Cleveland. Until... A tugboat captain in the Cuyahoga River reported at the end of March 1938 that he had seen two burlap sacks floating in the river, and they didn't search the river. So then on April of 1938, April 8th, a man was walking along the Cuyahoga to visit a friend, and he thought he saw a large dead fish. It's actually a part of a leg. And (laughs) (laughs) no other body parts were found at this time, but the knife marks were very crude and... Those were different from other butcher cuts, so they were like this it was, it was like, butcher. It was like the in the shape of that cool S that everyone would make in middle school. Yeah, exactly. I can't figure that one out. I just made, like, made the know, fucking sick act. You were like, fucking, that you could, couldn't figure out yeah, how to rock, do. Yeah, rock and roll, brother. Yeah, okay. so then on May 2nd, so a few months later, well, a month later, uh, more remains were pulled out of the river near the West 3rd Street Bridge and a human thigh and a burlap babe. <laughs> Just poured liquid death on our dog, and I just gave him a bath. Well, I'm, I'm just continuing the bath. Now he smells no, like lime. No, he smells lime. like limes. L- limes <sighs> and wet dog. Oh, Ooh, God. He smells like a... All over the couch. Like a, like a bar in Tijuana. Oh, God. <laughs> and so these remains matched the lower leg that was found earlier, and they had even more irregular hesitation marks along with an escalation in brutality. The killer had snapped the back ribs with his bare hands, I don't know how they figured out that he did that. With his bare hands? I guess they like, it looks like he like ripped like the, like ribs. Okay. So this was victim number 12, even though they were found 10, you know, our weird numeric system. So the cause of death of this one was decapitation and the liver had levels of morphine with that could have caused unconsciousness and maybe even death. And this woman was killed three to five days before her discovery. They, this was the only one that they found like morphine or like drugs in her system. So they're kind of like, that's weird. So on August 16th of 1938, three men searching a dump site for scrap metal smelled something bad, saw a bunch of flies, and they found remains. So Detective Morello found a torso wrapped in butcher paper, then a coat, then a homemade patchwork quilt. This package contained a head, and a box was found later with arms and legs in it. The medical examiner determined that the remains were female, and he could not find organs or determine if they were moved or decomposed, because this woman was pretty like badly decomposed. And there was no identifying buying marks, and the woman was named Victor Number Eleven. The boxes were made of two like bulk food boxes that had been put together that had apparently like had dates where they could match that they were only made two months ago. But mm-hmm. the woman was killed four to six months ago. Okay. So they were like confused where she was in the months between before she was put in the box. Yeah. So they suspected this body was refrigerated or like frozen at some point. Detective Murillo later. Uh, dismisses this victim as a butcher victim because there was apparently evidence of like embalming, which they what, had never seen before. Yeah. And this also gave the public like photos of the quilt, and a barber claimed that the quilt was his, but he sold it to a junk man who sold it to the Scoville Rag and Paper Company, which was in the same neighborhood with this Florence lady from like the last time. Florence was the third victim. Okay. So there'd been a few like links back to Florence. Huh. 
but it also was just like in that same neighborhood that's yeah. like not super great so the public was now going to this dump all the time because they were like all over wanting to see these bodies and a man named Tom ba- Todd Bartholomew and his wife stopped by the dump to look at the scene. They were standing next to a drainage pipe. They smelled something weird, so they looked down it and they saw bones. So the investigators gathered up a pelvis, vertebrae, and ribs. And the man next to the man next to the pipe, which was only yards from the victim number eleven, found a skull. And the medical examiner noted that the skeleton was a male, 30 to 40 years old, and been dead for seven to nine months. And this was victim number 10, and this was the last butcher victim found. So this man was mostly skeletalized and had knife marks on the vertebrae, as well as disarticulation of the limbs. And his cause of death was undetermined, but was probably a homicide. And these two bodies were dumped in a location that was visible from Elliot Ness's office. Police yeah, yeah, person. Yeah. So now that the investigators had some leads, and they were seeing multiple like things that led back to where that Florence victim number three was like found and from Mm -hmm. the press started reporting a little less salaciously but none of these things still nothing turned up and people would like come up and be like one man apparently came up and like told the police that they had found hair in a tin box in a field and another guy said he found a stained dress slip in stockings because like they're like oh we can trust the police now because the press wasn't like shitting on them but they still didn't find anything so robert chamberlain who was one of the other people that worked on the case with Elliot Ness and Marillo. Right. Yep. He was working privately on the case and eventually told the media that they had a suspect under surveillance and labeled him as Dr. X. So, well, this is... How do you work privately on a case? And, like, you're a police like, can officer. Like, I, can I just work privately, like, on, like, who really did 9-11? Like, can I just, can, can I just start, like... I mean, I think you can now. I think you're just, like, an internet conspiracy. Or, like, internet... De- detective whatever you can say what you want the truth is out there but like can i work privately on an open case like 9-11 you know is 9-11 an open case some would say but okay i mean i don't know can i can i can just anyone just work privately as an investigator well this guy was a police officer but he was like working like kind of under the books you know under the books like me in 9-11 yeah okay all right so So, so yes is i guess what you're saying or he's like, are you, like, are you like part of the police force? No, this guy is like on the, he is part of the police force. Oh, But he okay. was like doing this like under the table, like not probably in the most policey way. Oh, okay, okay, Outside okay. the arms of the law. Just like how I investigate. But you are not a Who took officer. my sandwich at work. Yes, that's an appropriate <laughs> example. So Dr. Francis Robert Sweeney was a 44-year-old doctor born May 5th of 1894 who had grown up near Kingsbury Run, and he served as a medic during World War One and suffered a bad head injury also during this time. He also was in a gas attack, and when he was he was then discharged because he suffered from depression and pathological anxiety. And he also had nerve damage from this gas attack in his like hands. And this man apparently helped with a lot of amputations. He had signs of psychosis. Um, he and then began drinking very heavily and had bad alcoholic neuropathy where it like messes up the nerve endings in your hands and feet and it causes like a constant like burning pain. He couldn't really do his duties as a doctor because it made it difficult to perform because of his like nerve damage and he got frustrated and eventually took it up on his wife and others. His office was in a space on Broadway Avenue which was a mile from Kingsbury Run and this was next to a funeral parlor catering to the people who died and like didn't have the funds to cover embalming or burial expenses in the area. 
And the parlor apparently gave Sweeney permission to practice his surgical stills to satisfy his need to operate on some of the unclaimed bodies in this funeral parlor. Is that a need to operate? What do you mean? Like, he wanted to be a doctor so bad, but he couldn't do it, and he was kind of, like... It sounded like he was kind of in, like, a depressive, like, alcoholic spiral. And he, So they are just letting him fool around with dead bodies just to, like, kind of get his kicks funny. out in terms yeah, of, like... Yeah, in terms of cutting people up. Well, they're already dead. Are you really operating on them? You're, you're yeah, more you're just, just cutting over them. Yeah, you're just cutting around them. You're not really solving them. anything. You could say Jeffrey Dahmer had some needs that he needed to take out on little dead animals. That's pretty much what this guy was doing, it sounds hmm. like. Anyway... So, yeah, he obviously wanted to be a surgeon, but he was very frustrated that he wasn't. And he had access to morphine, being, like, kind of a doctor. And the hesitations could be, like, that he was also kind of... He wasn't a surgeon. He was a doctor. And maybe the, like, they speculated that the, like, hesitation marks that they found were because he wasn't, like, exactly sure, like, how to cut because he wasn't a surgeon. He was just probably some lowly doctor. Okay. But anyway, okay. <laughs> so I, lo- I can't tell a lowly doctor. A lowly doctor. What, a, what swine. Yes, okay. yes, yes. So in 1933, like 1934, Sweeney's wife petitioned to have her husband committed um, to an asylum by the court. And he was committed and released both times. He was committed to the Cleveland City Hospital where Edward and Jurassic worked, who was a victim of the butcher as an orderly. In fall of 1934, his wife left him after he was abusive to her and which was when the Lady of the Lake was discovered, potentially the first victim. And this man just sounds like he had lots of rage. So Chamberlain and Ness were convinced that Dr. Sweeney was their man, and even though their methods were a little shady, they wanted to move forward with him. So he was detained at one point, and Ness had tried to interview him, because he, but he was so drunk that they just like put him up in a hotel room for three days to sober up and brought in polygraph expert... Leonard Keeler to administer... Doing three days sober up? Yeah, man. Like that a man raging was, alcoholic. That dude was partying. He was soaked like a sponge. And... <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Took him three days well, to sober up? Well, I think up? they, like, he was sobering up, but then he was probably in, like, throes of withdrawal that he, like, couldn't do anything. I guess, you know. Some people, like, I don't know. Some people really just... Get down at Margaritaville, I guess. Exactly. Okay. So they tried to administer this polygraph once he was, like, sober and able enough. He failed to pass two early polygraph machine tests as, like... If he was, like, withdrawing as an alcoholic that it took him three days to sober up, I feel like he'd be sweating profusely and probably would fail a polygraph test. Right. And be, like, shaking like a leaf. So there were some issues with this as well. There was no physical evidence to tie Dr. Sweeney to any of the crimes. Marilla found a port in 1938 from 1934 from a man named Emil Fornick. And he was invited into a home of a doctor near Kingsbury Run who was poisoned and escaped. And Sweeney did have an office on the street where Emil said he was poisoned. Ness's team caught up with him but couldn't, like, the they brought the guy back, Emil, back. But he couldn't, like, remember exactly which home it was. And he did know of another man, though, that was attacked by another doctor, or the same doctor, a doctor, and in his home, and he tried to cut him up, but he escaped as well, but also couldn't remember where the house was. Sweeney also was cousins to Martin Sweeney, a congressman and political rival of Elliot Ness, who publicly criticized him for not catching the killer. So it looks bad, and Martin Sweeney 
like, would accuse Ness of political sabotage if he just, like, brought his cousin in. And Elliot Ness wanted to keep his political career, so he did not want to mess with Martin. So on August 18th of 1938, two days after the two dump, like, victims were found, the last couple of victims, Ness and 25 to 35 officers arrived to raid Kingsbury Run after midnight. They had crude weapons and a fire truck floodlights to light up the area and, like, invade the run. And they went into people's homes and arrested people who they thought of thought they'd been the butcher. Pretty much just, like, big dudes, I guess. And they gathered 63 men and put their, searched their shanties for clues. He ordered the fire department to burn down these people's shacks, rendering about a third of the run homeless. And this raid went on for days and no evidence was found. The press was very mad about this and set notice that it would not solve the murders, which they were correct. A few days later... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really seeing the point of that raid. Yeah, I think it was just they were, like, pissed and were like, we're just going to pat him to do something. Okay. I think this, they, like, connected this a lot back to, like, his, like, mob tactics, where they would just, like, run into a bar with that they thought was, like, or a bar, I guess, like, a speakeasy. Yeah. And just, like, shake people out. But I feel like you can't really do that in people's homes. Yeah. You know, especially by, especially by burning them down. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, yeah, so a few days later, he sent two or six two-man teams out under the guise of city fire inspectors. I'm putting air quotes on to the same area and they were supposed to find the torso murders laboratory um and they did not find anything except unsanitary living conditions and fire hazards <laughs> so in de- december of 1938 Marillo um heard that a cleveland postal inspector had found a letter in the dead mail department addressed to the police chief george madowitz dated december 23rd 1938 the mail was from a man from a medical profession claiming to have operated on people for the good of the masses he moved to California, and the police did not have to worry, and he gave the location of another head, so this was like a creepy kind of little letter, and Merlo went to the police, and but this is widely believed to be a hoax. The officers kept working, Classic prank. but they never came close to finding the butcher beside anyone like or any other suspects besides Sweeney. Detective Marillo stopped trying to solve the case eventually. In 1942, his family noticed he was not the same. And the department slowly began to take him off the case completely until October. And in March of 1943, he turned in his final report on the case. So he'd been working on this, like, forever. And I think they did end up going through Sweeney's house, but, like, they didn't really find it. And I feel like it was, like, back then. So they never, like, said that they actually found this, like, office that he used. Mm -hmm. Because I think... Things like they didn't have the records. Okay. Like look back and like find it. I think Sweeney did it. Oh, I think that is the general consensus. So Ness resigned from his position in Cleveland after a hit and run where he was inebriated and no one was hurt, but he just went and got a job in Washington, D.C. because apparently you can do that. Yeah. 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 So Sweeney continued to contact <laughs> Ness, sending him weird and creepy postcards until his death on July 9th, 1964. The last interview with Sweeney was in 1938 which was also the last year they found butcher victims. And later that year, he checked himself into an institution where he was diagnosed as a schizophrenic and died in 1964. And as I said, he sent in postcards to Ness until he died. So he did it. They think he, that, that's, I feel like the very common general consensus is that Ness did do it. Ness did it. No, not Ness, sorry. Sweeney. That's a Sweeney. good twist. That'd be a good twist, That's a yeah. good twist. Yeah. You know. So there's only one other man who's ever kind of ruled kind of a suspect, and his name was Frank Dozal. He was arrested. I thought you going to say Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Roosevelt. himself. <laughs> this is getting know. crazy. So he was arrested in August 24th, 1939, for the murder of Florence Pol- 
Florence Polillo, which was a victim of three. And he lived with her at one point and had connections to Andrassi, victim number two, who was also the guy that like was in the men- that worked in the mental hospital mm-hmm. with Tweeney. And Rose Wallace, victim number six, and who were the only known victims, which it seems weird that this guy had somehow connections to like Whoa, so he almost threw up. The three victims who they had like IDs for. Well if he's if he has connections to all the victims then wouldn't he have connections to all the known victims? Well, what? Well, if he actually killed all the victims, that's wouldn't he have true. connections that is to all true. the known that victims? That's true. That's a good point. He gave a scattered I'm, I'm infection. Ju- I'm just here to... Oh, I know. You know You're just I'm, stating I'm, the truth. I'm just here to, yeah, to help things along. So, yeah, he gave a scattered confession and very precise details mixed with very vague ramblings resembling those of forced confessions. He died of suspicious circumstances in the Cuyahoga County Jail in custody of Sheriff Martin O'Donnell. And he was posthumously exonerated for his involvement. And I guess that they said, like, when they found his body, he had, like, a bunch of bruises and shit all over him. So they think that the cops just killed him. And no murderer would ever be beaten up by police. No, never. That would never 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 happen. So when we were looking through this... (laughs) Case closed. So also when we were looking through this, um, I was like, how many murders head murders can there be like in this area at this time because yeah. like they think that like there's people being like oh this like the lady of the lake isn't part of it or like victim number seven i think they thought wasn't part I mean, of it all these things got publicized it also just seemed like hey if you're gonna kill someone you should also just cut their head yeah, off just to, like just fall into this category. yeah just to like further like do, you know you know muddy the waters might as well chop the head off too that's true but on apparently there's a quite a few murders with similar patterns to patterns to the mad butcher that occurred in the early 1900s on july 1st of 1936 a headless unidentified man was found in a box car in newcastle pennsylvania on my may 3rd of 1940 three headless victims were found in box cars near mckee's rocks pennsylvania and these had similar injuries to those of the butcher victims newcastle news credited a murder swamp killer after dismembered bodies were found in swamps around Newcastle between 1921-1934 and 1939-1942. These areas were connected by the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad lines, so from like Pennsylvania over to Ohio. This led Detective Peter Murillo to ride the rail line that ran twice a day between Cleveland and Baltimore undercover with his little like stereotypical hobo sack. And so on July 22nd, 1950, Robert Robertson was found in a business in Cleveland, decapitated. He had been dead for six to eight weeks and had lived a similar life to the victims in the original butcher case, isolated lifestyle from his family, arrest record for excessive drinking, and lived on, like, the fringes of society. And this was ruled as an isolated crime. But, so some people think that... Excuse me. The Cleveland torso murders are linked to, like, these kind of random other, like, headless, brutal murders on this one railroad line. Huh. So I think maybe he would have going on this little railroad oh okay including detective marillo who kind of sounds like he kind of got like driven crazy by this case so maybe maybe it was detective marillo who did the whole thing maybe yeah i don't know he sounded like he got a bad situation or perhaps it was um i like the ness idea who was hoover was he the president no who was the president at the time pop quiz i don't know how could... Wasn't it Hoover? Because Hoovervilles. During the Great What's Depression. What's his first name? Herbert. Perhaps the murderer was Herbert Hoover himself. 
angry at these designations of Hoovervilles. He'll be he like, decided to murder. If you don't them. like my my FEMA housing, you know, then I'll give you something to truly complain about. I'm Herbert Hoover. <laughs> is it for a Hoover vacuum cleaner? Is that named after him? I doubt it. All right. So, yeah. So, I guess on the last episode, during the Black Dolly episode, where this all began. Last episode was well, part, two episodes part ago. one of this menagerie so, of sad great killings. I, yes, yes, yes. So, I said that the butcher had killed 13 people, but he's actually really only credited to 12 because now, the that's lady of the victim that people would get zero, mad about. They technically do not attribute to the butcher, but I think she was probably a butcher victim in the first one. All I know but is... But so that vomit of information that I've spewed over the past few weeks is the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run. Did Franklin Delano Roosevelt have um, polio at this time? I do not know. Or tuberculosis or whatever it took polio. his legs. How athletic was one Franklin Delano Roosevelt? Don't you usually get polio when you're like a kid? Oh, so FDR was the 32nd president of the U.S. from 19... 19- 1933 to 1945. Oh, so this was when FDR was president. He would have been killing while he was president. He began so Hoover, symptoms. angry that he's no longer president, but still being blamed with all these Hoovervilles, decides to take out his rage on the people of Cleveland. Yeah, so Hoover was president from 1929 to 1933. So he was before He's angry that he's getting all the blame uh, when yeah. it's really FDR and his pinko commie bastard uh, politics. I, I'm not sure which party he was. Um, I'm not sure which one he is. Um, all, all, all I know is he made that beautiful place in Georgia where people could go to try and get their polio cured and they just sit in nice hot water and... You know, still die of polio, but you know, die, die warm and happy. Yeah, where was that? Your parents warm were talking springs, about that. Warm Springs, Georgia. Warm, that's what it's called, Warm, warm Springs. Warm Springs, Georgia, you know. Wow. And uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt back in the day went and uh, sat It's on the National warm Park springs. Service. Yes, yes, yes. Warm Springs, Georgia. It's, it's, it's not very far from Columbus. Maybe like only like 45 minutes away. Little yeah. White House historic site. It yeah. really does, it kind of looks like your parents' house. Yeah. See? Oh, yeah, it kind of does. Look at that. There's columns. Seems traditional of Georgia housing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I guess my resources, I listened to a morbid podcast episode. They also did two parts on this. I don't know how they made it less dry. Mine was pretty dry. I don't know. I was scintillated. Were you? Yes. All right. <laughs> so Cle- another article called Cleveland in the 1920s by Laura DeMarco, and the Wikipedia page, and the, an article from the Cleveland P- Police Museum. Yeah, we blazed through that pretty quick. I skipped through a lot of things that I thought were really dry, and now it's like only thirty six minutes long. So well, I mean, you much know, less dry, or also still less tantalizing. But well, you know, um, okay. comment on the subreddit with who you think the, the killer is. First, make the, first two. make the subreddit. Second of all, make me the moderator. Third of all, take down all those bots that get rid of curse words. You know. There's People who get rid of curse words on Reddit? I think so. I think wow. so. Yeah, real. Yeah. And then fourth, comment on who you think the killer is and why it was... FTR. FTR. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was all I had. Maybe this is just like a quick little wrap-up mini-episode that took us like a week and a half to film. Oh, uh, you know, I mean, it's... Uh, 
the, the preparation and the quality in the episode and the and the, and the clear cut editing that you know the people are going to receive will it will be clear that it took ten plus days to bring something like this together. I only put out masterpieces, honestly. Yes. But yeah. All right. So that was all for this. Bye bye. Bye bye.